You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic physician, lecturer, author, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. Here on Wellness for Life, we talk a lot about maintaining ultimate health and wellness at any age, and of course, the most natural way, through food, lifestyle, relationships, and mindset. Our next guest, Dr. Christine Gedrick, also believes that you can recover from chronic illnesses for good without a lifetime of medication. She describes in easy-to-understand detail in her groundbreaking book, groundbreaking new book, A Nation of Unwell, What's Going Wrong? Welcome, Dr. Gedrick. What, is, what really inspired you to write this book? Oh, it's been a journey for even for myself personally, which is described in the book, but I've been in clinical practice now for over a decade, and I have watched thousands literally at this point recover from all different kinds of illnesses, from autoimmune diseases that they told they'd never recover from, from fibromyalgia, from chronic fatigue, um, and others. And as I've learned better uh, how to effectively harness the body's natural healing and studied what's underlying um, our sort of uh, our, our health and our immunity. Um, it's just been an inspiration. And so I felt that it was really imperative to get the message out there that people really don't need to feel, you know, effectively victimized by their illnesses. There is a way to recover and there is a way to, to be healthy for most. I'm a big believer in that. I believe that we got to start from the beginning, really what works the best and the fastest. And I think we both agree that the gut is where health begins. I believe that's your little take too. So I'd love for you to dive into your views on how to maintain a healthy microbiome to restore vibrant health. Sure. Well, you know, it's very interesting. In the last, I would say about 10 years, um, since effectively, it really dates back to 2007 when the Human Microbiome Project was launched in the U.S., but it was an international initiative, we began to understand the vital role that the gut plays or the microbiome, which is the scientific term for the gut, and all of the bacteria and other organisms that are living there and how they are really uh, defining our immune system, our mental health, um, and, and inflammation. And of course, you know, inflammation is what everybody's heard about for, for decades now, but we didn't really understand that this was all linked to the gut and effectively gut health. And so our diet is really critical in that it's not just about, um, you know, the amount of calories consumed for weight. Of course, that's important. And the macronutrients, meaning how much protein and carbohydrates, et cetera. But it's really about, you know, different plant ligands and different um you know, features of healthy food that are essential for keeping this gut healthy, and then that allows our body to be healthy in turn. Well, let's talk a little bit about the type of foods. You know, nowadays, there's a lot of different uh, type of diets to go on and whatnot. And someone was talking to me, a patient of mine, asking about the, uh, I think it's a meat diet, you know, a carnivore diet. I'd like your just mm-hmm. just the a little man. thing about <laughs> the caveman diet. There's so many different ones, and I, I'm I'm a big believer that we are all super unique. We've got our own genetic patterns, and you know we also come from different countries with different uh, type of ancient, uh, you know, not just genetic, but are the foods that we eat. So I'd like your take on some of the different diets and what are the things that we sh- we can eat to create a robust microbiome. Sure. So, you know, I always tell patients, you know, we, we don't practice only one model or in, in my practice, especially I, 
everybody needs to be individualized. So what is good from a dietary perspective for one patient or person may not be for someone else. And some of that ties back to our genetics and our ethnicity, um, how we were raised, et cetera. Um, but the simplest place to start is, and I, I probably say this every day, is if you can't figure out how to make a food you're eating, you probably shouldn't be eating it. So the things that come from so much artificial, you know, ingredients that you, first of all, can't pronounce the things on the label, and second of all, have no idea how it ever got into the bag you're getting it out of to eat, it would not be an ideal food for your microbiome. I mean, the microbiome survives on farm-to-table, effectively, is, is really what we evolved on. And so that's essential that we get these very basic, clean nutrients. And I, I we talk mostly about the contaminants in the food supply and the concerns about um, the different chemicals, things that are being sprayed on foods, um, even things like heavy metals in the water supply and patients that are eating fish, which of course is wonderfully healthy, but too much today, unfortunately, can have too much mercury. Um, and so we have to be mindful of overdoing any one particular angle with diet. Right. I, I, I agree. Uh, regarding the carnivore diet, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a big believer in that. Not that, not that it doesn't make the person feel better because there is no doubt that some people, when they eat only animal protein and animal fats, changes the way they feel. They physically feel better. And I truly believe that th that's correct. But I'm also concerned about the microbiome in how lack of vegetables, fiber, vitamins, nutrients that are available in the, the plant-based foods, if you don't have that, then you're also going to change that microbiome. Can, do you have much... Um, do you have much information about that that you can share regarding, you know, your views on that at all? Absolutely. So it's fascinating. What we're really finding out is that, you know, the microbiome at the at a, at a more detailed level is a is a a, a, a low microorganism of, of bacteria and or ecosystem rather of bacteria and fungi and parasites, and they they are talking to one another through metabolic byproducts. So when we eat we're feeding them. So when we eat processed foods, we're feeding bad bacteria. When we eat too much sugar, we're feeding fungi. When we're eating a lot of protein, we may potentially be feeding parasites because they like that. So the idea is that some patients naturally have imbalances in their gut that are driving certain kinds of inflammation because it's not all inflammation is not all the same. There are different kinds of inflammation. And so without being told that, they are naturally correcting these kinds of inflammation by controlling the microorganisms in 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 their gut from overpopulating. So, for instance, somebody that um, drops carbs out of their diet and feels considerably improved is probably somebody that was growing too many yeast in their gut or potentially bad bacteria, uh, and by dropping out the sugars, they stopped feeding them, and that lowered that kind of inflammation. So I believe that there's this tremendous intersection between these dietary interventions and the immune system, which we now know is linked to the gut and the microbes within the gut. Uh, and then the sequelae of that is inflammation. So we're going to, we're controlling it through dietary measures. It's not just about calories in, calories out and fat, which is what we always thought of, you know, in 30 years ago, all diet was about controlling our weight in general, but not necessarily on controlling the health of our gut. Uh, well said, Christine, because I'm a big believer in what you just said, too, is that absolutely the reason why people do have uh, good results with 
removing, you know, one big major part of the diet, which of course is carbohydrates. And when you do eat more proteins and animal fats, you are um, killing off some of the bugs that you might not know you've got in you. But the symptoms show, you know, often with candida, yeast overgrowth, we end up having foggy brain, fatigue, itchy skin, uh, eczema, uh, vaginal infections. Uh, you got lung infections, sinusitis. I mean, there's so many different these chronic illnesses that we constantly go for regarding the over-the-counter drugs, instead just changing the diet. But too much of a one thing can be a problem. And I think that's what we're, you both, you and I both agree is that we've got to be more, more customizing our, our diet, depending on the timing, in fact, of what's going on in our gut too. You also explain about how, in your book, um, how the role of epigenetics and chronic illnesses, you know, how... Problems such as like cholesterol, high cholesterol and depression, autoimmune issues, and maybe even cancers are not in the result of just genetic issues. Yes, they could be, but it really has to do with the role of epigenetics. Can you explain that a bit more here? Absolutely. So this is an exciting understanding, which is, you know, we, we have always believed that our genetics control our medical future or, or at least influence it. And that's certainly true for many conditions, but most of what we believe, most of these conditions that we originally thought were just singularly genetic, we're now discovering that it's all of this epigenetic influence, meaning the toxins we just talked about in the environment and changes that occur to our DNA as a result of exposure to these toxins. And so, and of course, the microbiome is contributing to that as well. So what scientists have now learned is that through nutritional status and through environment and lifestyle, we influence the expression of our genes. So that means that we don't necessarily have to get hypertension just because our father had it. It means that we have the ability to control the onset of it if we take care to feed our bodies properly and detoxify properly. And this underscores the importance of detoxification, which really has never been understood in clinical medical practice, um, it's incumbent on the body to stay clean and detoxified. And, you know, most inflammation comes from the body having just too much stuff in it. And, you know, we, we, we know that sweating, for instance, which is associated with exercise, exercise being good for us, sweating is a major route of detoxification. So, in fact, one of the reasons why exercise has always been so good for longevity is because it's allowing the body to spontaneously detoxify. Similarly, saunas do the same thing. So it's a much more evolved way of thinking that we actually have some control over our medical state. And I I am all about putting people back in charge of their health and inspiring them and educating them because I think it's a really important. We know that we have a choice in how we're going to sort of develop in, in, our, in our life. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I mean, we know we, you talk about the modern causes of illness and I do the same in my first book, the seven, the seven day allergy makeover. I talked about how the environment, everything that we are surrounded by, whether we're eating it, we're, we're breathing it, whether you touch it on your skin, even your whole environment has everything to do with what goes on. The truth of the matter is, I mean, Every cell in our body is consistently, we go through a natural detoxification, exchanges, you know, with metabolic waste, everything is happening at every moment. People think that they need to be on a detox program once once a a year, 
But the truth is, they you've got to support it every single moment, don't we? Uh huh. Yes. I you know we talk. I talk so much about this every day with patients, but it's amazing. And you know, the place to start is the skin. People don't realize that you know your skin eats. I always tell people. Be mindful enough of what you're putting on your body as to what you would put in your mouth because your skin is absorbing just as much as when you put something in your mouth. I mean, it's not necessarily going to cause you, you know, to get sick in the way if you put the wrong thing in your mouth would, but it's the same concept. And so, you know, just getting, you know, there's over 50,000 chemicals have been released into our environment in the last 50 years, and all of these are influencing our organism. I mean, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're such a chemically dependent um, nation now, when you think about it, we have air fresheners in garbage bags, for goodness sake. So these are chemicals that are influencing how we breathe. You know, when we breathe in, we're taking them into our body. We have to deal with this stuff all the time. So it, it's a big, you know, it, it really, really needs to raise awareness of how this is affecting us in all ways. That's such a good point. And so many, I, I don't know how you feel, if your patients go through this, but a lot of them, they just are, are not aware because nobody shared that with them. Um, even when, when you're having a baby and, and, and especially during pregnancy time, people are not, women are not aware. And that's the reason why listening to shows like this, talking uh, to people like you and reading the books that, that we all have here are so important to share the knowledge that there's a lot more to just the day-to-day -day operation that we deal with. You've just got to be so mindful about what our body's about. You mentioned that about that the body is like a seesaw. Can you go into that a little bit? You use the word seesaw. Sure, sure. Um, so it, I say it in, in this way. I say, you know, almost all illness boils down to either too much of something that shouldn't be there, meaning toxins or infections, or too too little of something that needs to be there. So the, the nutrient base isn't what it needs to be to fully recover from an illness or to, to really feel well. You know, where this strikes home the most is with the pediatric population today. I see as many children in my practice as I do adults, and it is profound how nutrient depleted these young people are. I mean, the, there's not a, it's not a surprise ADD is on the rise. This is just, you know, simple brain chemistry, they don't have the minerals and the essential fatty acids necessary to make, you know, the connections that they need to, and they, they can't think well. So uh, it's amazing, you know, when you look at the cross-sectional analysis of what the average child is eating today versus what they ate 50 years ago and how much nutrients are being consumed, it's, it's actually somewhat scary. So um, that is something we talk about all the time. I had, in fact, a young girl in my office just yesterday um, who has a couple things that we have to get, you know, infections we have to resolve, and her diet is really not good whatsoever. And so we we had a little conversation about how, you know, if you if you bought a brand new car that was really special and you kept going to the gas tank, the gas station, and putting in this 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 really low end gas that was really really cheap, you know, what kind of and the car broke down? Wouldn't you understand it if the mechanic said, "Hey, your car's not going to run because you're putting the wrong kind of gas in." I said, it's the same thing. I'll, I'll get rid of your infections for you, but you have to put the right gas in your car because if you don't, you're not going to feel any better. That's that's right. And, you know, with our in our country, we have a great deal of problems with our farming, the types of foods, uh, GMO, the glyphosate, the pesticides, for, you know, so it really has to start with your ability to recognize that organic foods are the healthiest. If you can get 
um, you know, like you said, farm to table, um, the local foods that uh, even though it may not be organically certified, a lot of farmers it just costs a lot of money to get those certifications. But they do not use organic; uh, they do not use pesticides or uh, synthetic fertilizers. And you just got to go out there and and search out for the food yourself. And you know what? A lot of my patients, Christine, are now starting to grow their own food in their backyard. I've got box in my ba- of herbs in my backyard myself so that I can have it in the most natural and unadulterated way. Well, that's, I mean, that's wonderful. And that is exactly what, you know, sadly we have moved away from because, you know, if you go to Europe, for instance, not uncommon, even in the city to see people with bo- window boxes growing herbs and things and, and small vegetables or fresh tomatoes, et cetera. I mean, it, it, we, we've so stepped away from the fundamentals of, of just, Clean water and mineral water, if that's possible, which is definitely different than just purely filtered water, um, and really healthy food and, and clean food. It sounds so simple, but yet it is just not practiced. And, uh, you know, we over, we microwave our foods, which just changes the properties of it all together. And <laughs> right. we've gotten so far away from what our bodies required. Um, you know, and, and going back to the comment on the caveman diet, what they what they found is that these these natural plant products are necessary to to initiate immune function in the gut. So the broccoli, you know, there's like a receptor in the gut that actually senses the presence of these different cruciferous vegetables and knows that it can you know regulate the immune system towards a favorable outcome. If it so so, I agree with you going back that that is really essential to keep these natural plants in our diet. Right, right. I, I'm also a big believer in, in ancient ways of preservation of food, and, and specifically, being that I'm Korean, uh, kimchi is one one way to help you not only get those antioxidants and pre-digested, uh, pre-digested food, vegetables, of course, but you get the high, super rich probiotics that's necessary for those epigenetic uh, communications between the gut microbiome and and those receptors as you're talking. Can I ask you a question? I really love that you added this information about colonics in your book and how you felt that uh, quite a bit of your chronic illness patients, that colonics actually helped. And as a medical doctor, that you were actually surprised about that. Can you can you just touch a little <laughs> bit about that? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So, so that is probably the most renegade suggestion in the book, being a medical doctor, that I would actually put something in on the value of colonics. So it's really important. There, there are two different colonic systems out there, and the open system is what I describe in the book. Um, very safe system, really does not have any of the, um, the potential side effects or concerns that the closed system does which is a pressure system, and um, certainly if done properly, it's safe, but it's a whole different discussion point. It's apples to oranges. The open system is just a gentle flushing, no pressure builds up uh, that could be dangerous in any way. And I have seen some of the greatest transformations in people. In fact, some of the cases I wouldn't have been able to be successful had I not been able to administer colonics with these some folks that have had, you know, chronic fatigue and really the tell is constipation, right? The patients have said, They've had a bowel movement once a week for the last 10 years. Those patients are so toxic and their their biliary system is so sluggish and slow and their gut is so inflamed and it, it, we really have to go right to the root of it to, to recover them. And, and it's amazing that 
there is often a transformation, even with one treatment, they feel significantly better. So um, I have used that as a really essential tool and decided it was worth it was worth putting in the book just for those that read it and it spoke to um, in case it could help them. Great. Thanks for sharing that. I, I, I'd like to ask, in in your mind, in your opinion, is a colonic the same as an enema? Can someone do an enema at home and feel the same benefits of it as you would in an open system colonic? It's really a different. It's a different um, procedure. You can get benefits from enemas, and certainly my patients have done things like coffee enemas. Well, I don't generally pers- quote unquote prescribe them. I'm, I don't necessarily tell them to stop, although I don't like it overdone. Sometimes, you know, less is more. Um, but uh, it is really a different, I mean, that's, that's infusing things sort of into the, um, you know, the, the pelvic circulation and bringing things up to the liver quickly. Um, and patients certainly can get some clinical benefit from that. And then, of course, they're going to be discharging fecal matter as a result of the process, too. So that's a benefit. But it's different. The colonic releases um, much more fecal, what would have been fecal matter, but it's in, held up higher in the gut, and it really is coming, uh, it's, a diff, it's just different. So, mm, you know. Okay. You also mentioned about the biliary system, the sluggish. You know, in my practice, I have seen a ton of gallbladder issues, sludge in the gallbladder, gallstones. And one of the our, our ways that I find that is really helpful to improve bile flow is uh, phosphatidylcholine. And I saw that you added that in your book. So I was so, so jazzed about that. Let's talk a little bit about <laughs> the liver and phosphatidylcholine yeah. and what it does and why it's so necessary in our diet. We don't get enough. We don't get enough PC in our, in our diet. Correct. You know, we don't because PC, the, the natural source of nature, I had a patient ask me this one time, I had to buff up on it, is it was really from more farm farmed animals and raw, unpasteurized dairy, et cetera. Um, and so we, you know, we don't really generally have that, have that today. Uh, egg yolks, of course, are still a great source and many of us do take them, but um, probably not enough to achieve the previous levels where more, more farm animals were, um, were being consumed. So... PC is what is not well appreciated about PC uh, is that it is an essential cell membrane constituent, and it is therefore necessary to repair cellular membrane. Um, it is also a huge um, signal within the gut to, and something that you're sort of touching on, but we're not, we're not, haven't said yet. The end, what's called the enterohepatic circulation, so this circulatory mechanism through the gut where bile is being um, excreted by the gallbladder and then, of course, reabsorbed along with other things um, coming through the small intestine. And PC is a big signal for the secretion. Um, it's secreted into the lower bowel and acts as like a seal. So it lowers inflammation in the bowel. It acts to protect the cells themselves, detoxifies the body in general. Um, so I love it for those reasons. And it's just so, so good for us overall. Right, exactly. It does help the flow of bile. And I find that people who have memory issues, it's really good for that as well. I want to ask you what your, your what if you can explain what happens if a person doesn't have a gallbladder, do you still re- recommend PC, phosphatidylcholine? So I do, but I am very cautious with their tolerance to it. Um, really, the, the strategy for those without the gallbladder is to add back some kind of bile, bile 
support product or bile salt. So I um, will use ox bile if they are comfortable with that. If they're vegetarian, then um, we're sort of limited. But I've used ox bile successfully uh, for all of my patients with without the gallbladder. So they take it with each meal. I mean, if it's a sizable meal, they need to be taking gallbladder support. Um, and it's funny because having started as a surgeon and having taken out gallbladders or assisting on gallbladder surgery more times than I can count, I never once was told to tell any of those patients to take bile salts as a supportive product for the rest of their lives. <laughs> so it's interesting how my perspective is totally different now. I say, well, that was sort of probably an important organ and we really need to replace what it was doing. <laughs> right, exactly. But thank goodness that, you know, you're, you're giving so much information to the people so that they don't have to have the surgery. This is about prevention. And then, of course, um, as you mentioned in your book about minimizing medications. I mean, I know some of the doctors, some of the patients that are in, in the elderly generations, they're taking four to six to sometimes even 10 drugs. And if we can start early, early on and teach our children what to do, then we are hoping that their, their lives are going to be much more easier. The yeah, one thing th- that... This is- I was just going to say that this really has to be under underscored. There so many older folks are on so many different medications, all being started for very valid reasons. But the problem is the multitude of them together hasn't been looked at and inevitably tends to have, you know, a cumulative effect and they just don't feel as vital as if they weren't taking all those medications. That's right. Thank you so much. I so appreciate, gosh, I wanted to thank you here, Dr. Christine, because um, you've got an amazing book, A Nation of Unwell, What's Gone Wrong. Uh, that's Christine Gedrick, and that's spelled G-E-D-R-O-I-C. She's a medical doctor and such great information, information that everyone can use. And if you start reading this book and you listen in and if you enjoy this show, Go ahead and share it with anyone who's has had challenges with their health. You can definitely change their life for the better. And if this is your first time listening in, make sure to subscribe and give us a great review. Do connect with me on Instagram at Dr. Suzanne. If you need help in digging deeper into your health issues, I work with people all around the world through phone and Skype consultations. And my contact info is available on my website, drsuzanne.com. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.